Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Time we sing that song and brings back memory. Ukraine. Where I was introduced to that song and now it's another story. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm going to talk about the family of God. What is it? It's called by different names in Scripture. God has different reasons for calling it different names because it is a multifaceted group. But I think by and large throughout Scripture, in particular the New Testament, the concept of family prevails more than the others. We can call it the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church, the household of God, the congregation of the saints, and on and on, but it really is a family. Views differ on that family. Not the scriptural view, but people's view. Um, others include, uh, have a view of that family that has a few thoughts about it, that are contained in scripture, but some are missing. Uh, some just like to come on Sunday morning and that's pretty much it and don't have anything to do with their brothers and sisters the rest of the week. And then there's others that they don't want anything to do with their brothers and sisters at all. They're going to stay home and pray and read their own scriptures and maybe watch uh, one of those TV preachers and that's the extent of their religion. They have nothing to do with the family of God. So we want to look at the family of God, and we want to understand if we don't have a complete view of the family of God, there are bad outcomes. There are bad outcomes. First of all, Jesus is not glorified because his family is not fully functional. It's not functioning correctly. And secondly, we do not receive all the benefits of being a part of the family. And there are numerous, numerous benefits, and we're going to talk about many of those this morning. And then, thirdly, we're not able to contribute to the family the way we should, and that's part of the problem because that's a great blessing when we are able to contribute to the family, the needs of the family and those uh, who are struggling or whatever the situation might be. And we're called upon as brothers and sisters to help one another. Uh, you know, football season has started, and you didn't know that, right? Nobody knew that. I know Larry didn't know that. I think Larry has nine different favorite teams. But anyway, it's like on a, if you're playing football and you only put nine or ten guys on the field. You know, the team doesn't work properly that way. And so that's what happens when members of the family do not participate in what the congregation is doing and uh, help out brothers and sisters and be a part of everything, then that's, it's weakened, it weakens the body. It weakens the family. It's not functioning properly. So let's take a look at this, this picture. I'm going to start in Ephesians 2. We're going to I'm not going to say jump around, but just kind of 
three-part lesson, if you will, all jammed into one, and Helen, we're going to try to get out of here in time so you can enjoy your lunch at whatever time that is. She always laughs at that, honey, you know. <laughs> and in the uh, Old Testament, I was thinking of the, the Hebrew family, the Israelites, they always pointed to Father Abraham, okay? Abraham is our father, and it was a family, and they were very meticulous in keeping their genealogical records to know that they were a descendant of Abraham, and of course part of that had to do with uh, the one through whom the Messiah would come. But they wanted to know, we're the family of Abraham. Well, today God's family is still the family of Abraham, but not biologically, but by faith. We have the faith of Abraham, which leads us to Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one. And in the context, he's talking about Jew and Gentile, both groups. Broke down the barrier, the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. We do have a heavenly Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. We have reference there to all three persons of God. Our Father in heaven, he is the father of this family, the spiritual father and in, he is bringing us all together. He calls us together by, in a common faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This family is concerned with every aspect of life, not just spiritual things. Sometimes we get that wrong impression. It's just about salvation and sin. But the family of God is concerned about material things, emotional, life direction, health and everything else that's going on with others in the body because this family is built on the love of God. And love doesn't stop at some point and say, oh, that has to do with uh, your health, so I'm not going to love you anymore or bother with that. Love just doesn't quit, as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love never fails. As we saw there, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, if you will, flows through our veins. 
to much thicker blood and stronger blood than any familial blood that we any, any of us have. Because it is the blood that saves. The Holy Spirit is our breath of life. We're given the Spirit when we're baptized into Christ. And he is the one that regenerates us into what we should be. Christ Jesus is not only our Savior, Lord, and High Priest, He is our elder brother. Let's go over to Hebrews 2 real quickly. I love this passage of Scripture. Speaking about Jesus, the Word of God becoming flesh, becoming Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, if you will. Hebrews 2.10, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, there's the family concept again, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings, is speaking of God the Father. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren or brothers, speaking of Jesus, saying, I will proclaim your name, meaning God's name, to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Jesus is Savior, Lord, the first one, the first fruits, risen from the dead. He is our elder brother. Verse 17, therefore... He, meaning Christ Jesus, had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. It is a family. We have a father. We have an elder brother. We have brothers and sisters in this family. We are children, all children of God. We tend sometimes to forget, not only do we have brothers and sisters, but each of us is a brother and sister to the others in the congregation, aren't we? It's a brother or sister. We are. And this is God's design, this family. How has God designed the family to function? Don't have any scriptures for this section of lesson. Because if we did, Helen, we would not get home for lunch. But we can support all these. The functions of the church family are multifaceted. First of all, we are a fellowship of believers, faith builders. You help build my faith when I see you serving the Lord. And I help build your faith when you see me serving the Lord. All these things are mutual. And op- we have opportunity not only to be on the receiving end, but on the contributing end. The church is an academy where the word of God is taught, And the word of God is learned. 
We all have opportunity to hear the word and to be taught. And many of us have opportunity to teach the word to others. We might have opportunity to, by being a teacher in a class. We might have opportunity to do it one-on-one. -on -one, and we might, and all of us do have opportunity to do that by example. How you live your life. What you do for the Lord. How well you help out with things going on within the congregation. You're teaching the others. The church is a rescue squad. Rick always prays for the first responders. We talked about first responders here a couple of weeks ago. We should be the first ones on the scene. The church is a rescue squad to help to rescue. We're not talking about out those outside. We're talking about those in the body, in the family, those who are caught up in sin or some uh, wicked situation, some evil. We are to be helping one another get out of that. You might have opportunity to do that, and then guess what? You might be on the receiving end. You might be the one caught up in something, and you need rescue. But that's the way it works between brothers and sisters, right? It's a household of servants meeting needs. Sometimes you have needs that you need help with whether it's financial or moving a refrigerator or whatever, you might need help. But then on the other hand, sometimes you are called upon to help out. It's not just all about receiving and getting, but it's also about giving and contributing. That's the way it functions. That's what love does. That's what brothers and sisters do. It's a support group. For those who are struggling, those who are grieving, sometimes you need to go and pray with somebody. You need to go sit with somebody. You need to go just listen to somebody. And then, guess what? Sometimes you need someone to come and pray for you and someone to come and sit with you and someone to come and listen to you. Open up your heart. I think in a lot of ways we have really missed this aspect of the family of God. We all tend to be too independent and alone and on our own. And we really lose out because of that attitude. That's not God's design. It's a work crew. Laboring toward common goals, working together. It's an army fighting against the evil one and all his evil followers. It's a peer group providing loving discipline. Sometimes you may have to go talk to someone and say, hey, brother, what are you doing? That's not right. And then sometimes somebody might come to you and say, hey, brother, what are you doing? That's not right. That's part of the functioning of the family of God, if we really love one another, right? It's a brotherhood in which all have equal standing before Christ Jesus. It's a mission team working together to proclaim good news. 
and you, we could go on and on and on. But you see the point, and you can see all this in Scripture. You may need to drop on the family's resources, or you may be called upon to help supply those resources, whatever it is. But that's the way the family properly functions. And this causes the family to flourish. I've got a little story to read you. So just uh, kind of sit back and relax. A mouse looked through the crack in the wall to see the farmer and his wife open a package. What food might this contain, the mouse wondered. He was devastated to discover it was a mouse trap. Retreating to the farmyard, the mouse proclaimed this warning. There is a mouse trap in the house. There is a mouse trap in the house. The mouse turned to the pig and told him, there's a mousetrap in the house. There's a mousetrap in the house. The pig sympathized but said, I'm so very sorry, Mr. Mouse. There's nothing I can do about it but pray. Be assured you're in my prayers. The chicken clucked and scratched, raised her head and said, Mr. Mouse, I can tell you this is a grave concern to you, but it is of no consequence to me. I cannot be bothered by it. The mouse turned to the cow and said, there's a mouse trap in the house. There's a mouse trap in the house. The cow said, wow, Mr. Mouse, I'm sorry for you, but it's no skin off my nose. So the mouse returned to the house, head down and dejected to face the farmer's mouse trap alone. That very night, a sound was heard throughout the house, the sound of a mousetrap catching its prey. The farmer's wife rushed to see what was caught. In the darkness, she did not see it. A venomous snake whose tail was caught in the trap. The snake bit the farmer's wife. The farmer rushed her to the hospital. When she returned home, she still had a fever. Everyone knows you treat a fever with fresh chicken soup. <laughs> so the farmer took his hatchet to the farmyard for the soup's main ingredient. But his wife's sickness continued. Friends and neighbors came to sit with her around the clock. To feed them, the farmer butchered the pig. But alas, the farmer's wife did not get well. She died. So many people came for her funeral that the farmer had the cow slaughtered to provide enough meat for all of them for the funeral luncheon. And the mouse looked upon it all from his crack in the wall with great sadness. So the next time you hear someone is facing a problem, and you think it doesn't concern you, remember, when one of us is threatened, we are all at risk. We are all involved in this journey called life. 
We must keep an eye out for one another and make an extra effort to encourage one another. Remember, each of us is a vital thread in another person's tapestry. Our lives are woven together for a reason. Let's go to 1 Peter 1. Just hitting some specific teachings about the word. The heart of it all. We kind of alluded to that already. 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have an obedience to the truth, truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the truth, Purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again. In other words, you're not doing things the old way, the way you used to before you came to Christ. You've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. It's the love of God that flows through the family because we have his spirit and we are called to be like his son. It's a sincere love. It's not genuine. It's, or it's genuine. It's not faked. It's not forced. And this is what the Holy Spirit is about, regenerating us and bearing his fruit in us. And we need to stop resisting the spirit of God and just let him work through us. Acts 4.32 Love these pictures of the early church. They set a, uh, a tall bar for us to follow, but this is the bar that Christ has set for his people. Acts 4.32, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and, one so- and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. This is seeing things God's way. One heart, one soul. Common purposes, common goals, common faith, common love. Thank you for the song, Jim. All these things we have in common. Sharing the body and blood of Christ. That's what the word means, communion. A sharing, a fellowship. All of us who hold to that faith in Christ. We have that common bond. And Christ calls us to care for one another. We cannot hold Christ Jesus all by ourselves. That's not possible. That is not Christ. There's a certain expectation of character and conduct. 1 Timothy 3. And you all grew up in a family, some kind, dad and mom, hopefully, maybe one parent, I don't know for sure. But you had certain rules in the family, right? Certain standards, certain expectations. You know, we, uh, we uh, whatever, what your name is, Jones, we Joneses don't do this. Or we Joneses do this. This is who we are. This is what we do. And 
Maybe you, some of those have carried over with you. Some of those were good, and some of those were just kind of, you know, it didn't matter that much. It's just a tradition. But still, there was an expectation that you would do certain things and act a certain way and not say certain words. And, you know, Don and I, we had that. I remember one thing Dad always said. I said a lot. Don't ever call me old man. I respect that. That is a derogatory term. It really is. Anyway. 1 Timothy 3, 14. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. You see? There is an expectation of a way to conduct ourselves in the family of God. And it's written all through the New Testament. Certain standard of morality, certain standard of work ethic, certain standard of how you treat your husband and your wife, your, how you rear your children, what you do with your money, and take care of your own self, etc., etc., treat your brothers and sisters. There is an expectation in this family. And God and Christ Jesus expect us to follow that. So the family will flourish and Christ will be glorified. You can finish the verse. The, the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Hebrews 10, to finish out. Now, this is one of the ones, uh, this talks about the assembling together, and in those days, uh, this was written to those Hebrew Christians, Christians with Hebrew background. And many of them were wanting to go back under the law of Moses in order to avoid persecution for being Christians because that arose. The Jews were often sheltered. They had a deal with the Romans. If you were Jewish, you were okay. But if you claimed Christ and you would not worship the Caesar, the Christians were often seen as even being uh, treasonous and insurrectionist because they would not worship the Caesar, then you were going to suffer persecution. And part of the Hebrew writing, writing here is for them to understand the superiority of Christ and to, they could not go back under the law. In fact, the law had been re replaced. The old covenant had been replaced with the new. But here, read this. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The, the confession, of course, is Christ Jesus. He's the hope. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. He's the one that forgives. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Okay? Not forsaking our own assembling together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more to see as you see the day drawing near. Now, the reason I put this in here is because oftentimes we have just used this verse to say, see there, you should be at the assembly, which is true, which is true. But look at all the other part of that 
context that talks about your brothers and sisters. It isn't just about coming and sitting in the seat. Let us consider how to stimulate or stir up one another to love and good deeds. You see, it's it's as much about one another as it is about Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's his body. It's his body. It's his family. And then not forsaking, you know, don't, in this case, they were forsaking because they were avoiding persecution, but still the principle holds, don't forsake, as the habit of some is, but do what? Encouraging one another to come together. And all the more as you see that day approaching. You see, it's not just about you getting here, but it's about all your brothers and sisters as well. It's a family affair. I believe that was a TV show, wasn't it? Way back. Way back. Anyway, we're going to stop there. God's family is all this and much more. Those who are part of the family receive its benefits and blessings. And those who are part of the family have the opportunity to contribute to help others receive the benefits and blessings. That's what the family does. Lord willing, next time, next Sunday, we're going to talk about how you become a member of this family. It's not automatic. Not everybody under the sun is a member of this family of God, and we're going to talk about that next time. We asked the question this morning as we close out, are you a member of this family? Maybe you are. If you are, are you contributing your part? Do you see the love? Do you see the fellowship, the brother and sister relationship? I know sometimes siblings don't get along. I understand that. But in the body, we're supposed to resolve our differences rather quickly, aren't we? To forgive and be forgiven. To confess and receive confession. And to move on. We don't hold grudges. We bump up against one another from time to time, but we've got to get over it and do it the right way. If you need prayer this morning about your serving in the body and understanding what the family is and properly uh, being a, a brother or a sister, we'd be happy to pray with you. If you're ready to obey the gospel this morning and uh, take on Christ Jesus as your Savior and become a member of the body of Christ, the family of God. We're ready to assist you with that. So our brother Jim leads us. If you have a need, please come.